everybody. So we are at another week where, of course, you know, the season is progressing along. However, we don't have any HBCU bands, so we can only just rely on the memories. And, you know, it's homecoming season and I'm getting all these memories popping up in my Facebook and my Instagram of homecomings past. And I don't want to dwell on that too much, but, um, you know, I feel some kind of way about it. But I do want to say that I really, really appreciate all of you who have been, um, you know, sharing the podcast, telling your friends about it, posting it on your social media. I really do appreciate that. Um, This week was the first week that I, you know, posted the podcast. I've actually done some of these interviews a while back um, and just decided to start editing things now. Um, But, you know, it's new to y'all. So (laughs) I do appreciate the love. And um, I also appreciate the suggestions for people to to interview. And I'm definitely going to take that under um, consideration. But for now, um, I am going to have a really good friend of mine on the podcast. Um, We've been friends for for literal decades. I mean, um, and I wanted to interview her because she has a very unique situation. She is the first female section leader of uh, the Million Dollar Funk Squad, which is the percussion section in Norfolk State University. Um, She was the first one to be section leader. I know she wasn't the first um, woman percussionist there, Um, but it is so fascinating to hear her story about, you know, how she got into percussion in the first place and, you know, some of her experiences. And she is a great person and full of spunk. And um, whenever we hang out together, we always hang out around um, the Honda Battle Bands. Whenever we hang out, it's always a good time. We talk our little trash because, you know, she went to North State. I went to A&T. Our schools, our bands kind of go back and forth at it a bit. We've had battle of the bands before, but you know, we both rep our schools hard. Um, but yeah, she's, she's a really good person. So, um, without further ado, here is my friend, my good friend, Rashida Gregory. Okay. I am here with my good friend, Rashida Gregory, also known as Pooh, um, who marched at, <laughs> it feels so weird for me to say that because I guess I've been knowing you so long that I just call you Rashida. But anyway, um, she was one of the, I think the first female, yes. um, first female section leader for Norfolk State's MDFS, Million Dollar Funk Squad. And so I want to get to know um, her story a little bit. So how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Dr. Christie, I've been waiting so long to say that. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Okay, so I want to just dive kind of right into it. So tell me about your, your musical history. Like, when did you start playing percussion? Was it, was it the first instrument that you learned? Talk about that a little bit. Well, I did not want to play drums at all. I actually wanted to play the flute, and for years I wanted to play the flute. And when it was actually time for me to start band, um, well, in Chesapeake, in the fifth grade, they give you a test to see what your most com- uh, compatible, compatible, what your most, um, what what you can play, uh, whether you should be singing, whether you should be in the band, um, what instrument you should play. So when I, I'm, of course, I'm not a singer, so I definitely didn't get that. So <laughs> when it was time to um, to play my little, uh, they give you some sticks and you, you have to play a rhythm. 
And when I got home, they give you this little sheet that your mother has to sign to uh, sign you off on what instrument you want to play. And I got number one for drums, and flute was like four out of six, I think it was. And so I told mom, I was like, I don't care what this is. I really, really want to play the drums. And so my mother was not having it. She said, absolutely not. You will not play the, uh, the flute. You will play drums. You will be different. You will go out there. You will be great. If this paper says you um, are best at drums, that's what you're going to do. So I kind of didn't have a choice in the matter because my mother was not letting me play the flute. Um, and so that's where I started in the sixth grade. I started playing percussion um, in the sixth grade. Um, we learned snare and basic mallets in the sixth grade. Um, I did go to a predominantly white school, so we were all core style. Um, so, and I, I, I'm very happy for that background because I got to see both sides. A lot of people don't get to see both sides. So that was really the beginning of um, me playing drums. In my entire high school career, I played core style. So I didn't know anything about playing HBCU styles until I actually got there. Of course, I knew about it because, you know, we were right here at North State. But mm-hmm. as far as me actually playing that style, no, we didn't, we didn't do any of that at Great Bridge when I went to, high, when I went to uh, school at. Okay. So, yeah, just to give a little bit of background, your hometown is Chesapeake, Virginia, which is mm-hmm. like 15, 20 minutes from Norfolk State, if that. If that. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So what So what got you um, wanting to go to Norfolk State? Was it because of their um, style of percussion? Was that it or was it because it was close or? Well, this is, this is going to be a, a, a funny answer that no one is going to expect. I actually didn't want to go to Norfolk State. I wanted to go to Howard. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted to go to Howard so bad because of, you know, the name and the, the legacy of Howard. I wanted to go to Howard so bad. But when it was time to go to college um, and my mother saw that price tag, she said, absolutely not. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to Howard either. So as you can see, my mother had a lot of uh, – influence on what I did as far as my uh, college career and my um, musical career. So my mother went to Norfolk State, and she and my father knew uh, Mr. Walker, uh, which was the band director at the time, and he out the blue called me. I, I, didn't, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I was kind of confused as far as where I was going to go to school because my mother said absolutely not for Howard. So I, Norfolk State really wasn't on my radar, but Mr. Walker called me out the blue one day, and and talked to me. He was like, I, you know, I've heard about you, whatever. And he wanted me to come up to the school. So I did. So I came up one day. I was still in high school. I came up um, and saw the band uh, practicing and up close and personal, and then that was it. I was hooked. And okay. so that's how I got there. So what hooked you into liking Norfolk State? What was it about them that, you know, you you were like, I have to march here? Well, it was a culture shock to me, and I was so – excited about learning how to do all of this stuff that I was seeing these people do. Like, I could not twirl a stick to save my life. You could ask some people, some of my rookie brothers that I marched with, they used to laugh at me so hard because I could not do any type of visuals because at Great Bridge, we didn't do that. It was all playing. We weren't doing any flipping or any type of uh, stick tricks, none of that. So I had the hardest time learning that, but it was when I saw that, I was like, oh, I, want, I really want to do that because I was so used to not. And I kind of wanted to embrace my culture musically a little bit more, and, and that just hooked me. And then I, I just, everybody seemed to be having fun, and I was finally on a college campus seeing a little bit how the college life is, 
and it, it just it just sucked me in. Okay, okay. So, all right, so let's fast forward a little bit. You graduate from high school. You get to, mm-hmm. to college at your, at your rookie camp. So yep. tell me about that experience. Like, what, what was that like? And were, you were the only um, female trying out. Was, tell me about that a little yep. bit. Yes, I was definitely the only female trying out. That was a nerve-wracking experience um, for me, number one, because I was nervous. I didn't know anyone. Um, not Even with that, you living so close? Nope. No, nobody. Because you got to think, I went to Great Bridge, and they all went to, you know, PWIs. There mm-hmm. was only one other black guy in the band, in the drum line with me at Great Bridge. And he was older than me. So he had, a, and I don't even believe he went to college. So it was only me. All the people that I marched in high school with, they were at James Madison and Old Dominion and, you know, everywhere but HBCU. So when I got there, I was pretty much on my own. I had friends from high school that were going to Norfolk State, but they weren't in the band. So they weren't, you know, they weren't anywhere near campus when I was there. We started in July. So, you know, they weren't coming to school until August. So, um, yeah, I was the only one there, um, little kid, you know, fresh out of high school, uh, got there, and um, it was a little stressful for me because I switched instruments. In high school, in marching band, I played multi-tenors. Um, mm-hmm. When I got to Norfolk State, I decided that I was tired of carrying those heavy drums and I wanted to play snare. So a lot of people don't know this, but when I got to Norfolk State, that was the first time I ever played marching snare. I really? I never played marching snare. Nope. <laughs> I never played marching snare at all until I got to Norfolk State. When I was in, in high school, I played quince. Wow. So, I, that's so funny because yes. all I picture you as is snare. That's, that's when I nope. think about, like, you performing, I think of snare. Yep. That's because, you know, that's all I did in college. But in high school, I have pictures of, of me. And I was smaller then. I don't know how I carried those heavy drums. But I, I marched quince in high school and then I decided hey I'm tired of carrying these drums and um and I played snare I just got on it and did it a lot of people don't believe that but it I really didn't I never touched the marching snare until I got an over okay and I was okay. the only female so you auditioned on snare correct mm-hmm yeah okay okay so tell me just kind of like about how your first year was marching for Norfolk State, like what kind of experiences did you have? Did you have any games that really stood out to you as, you know, I'm, I'm always going to remember when we played this school? Yeah, um, it's actually <laughs> two, and it's my, my first two. My very first game was not the Labor Day Classic as it normally would have been. My very first game was in Ohio. We played Central State of Ohio in 94 the week before Labor Day Classic, which is normally everybody's first game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to Ohio, we stayed at, uh, on Ohio State's campus, and that was an amazing experience to even be on a campus that large. I had never been on a campus that large before. Um, and I think that's the furthest that I had ever been away from home also. So we were in Ohio, and um, I remember the night before the game, I happened to be in the elevator by myself, and mm-hmm. some central state of Ohio guys were in the elevator and they thought that they were going to for lack of a better terms a bully me or what have you <laughs> they knew that I was the girl that played drums or whatever so I remember just staying calm getting off the elevator and going to get all the boys and needless to say we didn't have any problems after that and the next <laughs> day they definitely remembered <laughs> remembered us 
um, at the game. So I'll never forget that because I was like, I cannot believe these guys are really trying it. So that was kind of the beginning of the you a girl playing drums uh, thing that I had to deal with almost throughout the whole career. Um, My second uh, most memorable game of my rookie year was the actual Labor Day Classic. I was not nervous at all in Ohio, but when I got home and I knew my entire family is there and I've come to Foreman Field many times to see the games because my mom was in, um, went to Norfolk. But for me to actually turn that corner for pregame and see all of those people and people from um, our area, they know how big Labor Day Classic used to be. It used to be super packed. When I yeah. hit that corner, I thought I was going to pass out. And so <laughs> I, made it, I made it through pregame, but when I got up into the stands, I was like, dry heaving and they was like sit down sit down yeah I was so nervous they said sit down sit down so I had to sit down for maybe like a couple of songs to get myself together because I was just overwhelmed with excitement that I was almost about to pass out so you know what this is blowing my mind man Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean we we've known each other like 20 years and I never knew Mm -hmm. I never knew that and I I never would picture you to be the kind that would get like anxiety before performing that is so funny it, and that was the one I, I did it that one time, and I, I shook it off. I never did it again. But that first that first time, I'll never forget coming around that corner to actually hit the track performing field. I looked up at all those people, and I was like, "Parents are here, my grandparents are here, all of my my friends in high school are here, everybody's here, and I am flipping out." I was like, I kept trying to talk myself down, get it together, Pooh, get it together, Pooh, and I could <laughs> not get it together. I mean, mentally, I mean, I was playing like I was supposed to, but in my head, I was cracking. So when I finally got in those stands, I was like, <gasps> they was like, sit down, just sit down, calm down. <laughs> wow. So I sat down a couple wow. of songs, and then I, I shook it off, and then I, I was fine ever since. But, yeah, I had a, a major anxiety attack. So did your your fellow rookie brothers in the percussion section, like, was it a big class um, of, of your rookie brothers? Did they kind of take well, one of their wing? Like, what, what was that like? Well, it was um, – for snare, it was only one other um, of, of my rookie brothers, um, Daniel Tucker. He's from um, Danville, Virginia. Um, so it's just basically me and him. Um, so as far as our rookie class, our rookie class, MD-wise, wasn't really that big. Our class as a whole was, but mm-hmm. our MD class, it wasn't, it wasn't that large um, in 94. But we were all super, super tight. Um, mm-hmm. So – Whenever wherever one person was, everybody else was for the most part. So we and we we actually still like that to this day. <clears throat> so it was an experience um, that I, I'm thankful for because those the core group that those people are still in my life today, twenty some years later. So tell me about like you know. So do you become section leader your sophomore year? How how did that work? My senior year. Um, okay, and it was totally a shock to me. I did not know at all <laughs> that it was coming. Okay. Um, our coordinator, um, Ed Ricks, uh, he just came up uh, in um, camp, summer camp, and was just like, after auditions, and he was like, oh, yeah, um, he told me by myself first, and he was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be section leader this year. And I was like, what? And he was <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to be section leader this year. You know, we've done auditions. Um, you're going to be section leader this year. And he was like, what you think about that? And I was like, all right. And I really <laughs> didn't think of it as anything at the time. 
I didn't realize what was happening at the time. I didn't realize that until after the fact, until like okay. maybe even after the whole season. I didn't even realize that, wow, I'm the first female to ever do this at North State. I never, I didn't, that didn't click. It was just, this is what I have to do. They put, they giving me this job, so this is what I have to do, and I'm going, I'm going to do it. Um, there were challenges. Please believe there were challenges because, you know, these are guys that I've marched with forever. So mm-hmm. they kind of felt like they could play on the female aspect of it and try to play it like, oh, we're boys. So I should be able to skip practice if I feel like it because that's my girl, you know. No, this is business. And I had to make it very clear early on that Poole as a section leader, this is business. But Poole outside of that, we're boys. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. So don't try to cross the line. Sometimes there were a little bit of line crossing um, because they tried to play that feminine aspect on me, like, you know, try to uh, get play on my emotional side, which I didn't have any of that in <laughs> the section leader role. <laughs> I didn't have any of that. You know, so you're going to respect me whether I was a female or a male, and if you're not, you're going to sit down, you're not marching, is it? And so they would get kind of antsy. No, I mean, why why, why I have to sit down? Well, you don't know your music. But, but right. we boys, no, that, that, that didn't cut it. So they learned that pretty quick, and then we didn't have any more problems after that. But it definitely wasn't without uh, issue at, at first. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, I didn't know whether you were a section leader like your sophomore or junior year, like how did, how was it, okay, let me, let me just go to this. Okay, so you're section leader, your senior year, how was it like when the old heads came back to campus and saw that there was a woman section leader? Well, the old heads as far as the band or the old head MD? Well, old head MD. Well, we all came at the same time. Um, When... And I don't know if they still do this. Actually, I don't think they do. But uh, MD always came back even before the the new the uh, the new rookie class came back. So we were always on campus first, all of us. Mm-hmm. So they all knew at the same time. Okay. Um, the the people the old heads that came back later they were the bandsmen. But as far as MD, we all came back early. So what was it like during um, homecoming when when the alumni MD Mm. would come back? Well, you know, surprisingly, it was very well received. Um, I was kind of shocked. But then you have to keep in mind, I've been knowing these old heads for, you know, years because of, you know, when I first got there, um, I met a lot of them because of, I was a female, so, of course, they wanted to make sure that I was worthy enough to be playing on the line and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, I, of course, I wasn't the first female to play snare, but um, actually uh, Kima Mingo, who played the year before me at 93, she's actually an Aggie as well. She played uh, Cole Field first, and then mm-hmm. she transferred uh, to Norfolk. So there was a female the year before me. She didn't march with me that year. Um, so it wasn't odd to see a female on the line. It just hadn't been that way in a while. I think before Kima, it had been years that before there was another um, female on the line. So they were they were well received. They did want to ask me a lot of questions. You know, can you handle it? You know, can you handle the pressure? I don't think the old heads really cared that I was a female. They just wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to handle the job. 
So they that was it was surprisingly well received from them. Oh, that's good. That's good. And and tell tell the people about MD Thursday because I found this out about you. <laughs> I found about this through you. <laughs> MD Thursday actually is has grown to it has gotten so big. It is beyond my wildest dreams. To be honest with you, it started out as just MD um, and the the old heads coming back and them actually talking to us and uh, giving us their history, um, telling us uh, things that they wrote um, so that now we're putting together the cadence that we play and who wrote it and the story behind it and all that. It was really like a big history lesson, and it, and it grew. And so, of course, when I was in the band, it wasn't as many alums coming back because it wasn't as many of us at the time. So the years, as the years progress, of course, there's more people that are in the section and more people that are out of the section. So it got now it's it's like a a circus almost. It is so busy and so packed. You you really a lot of times don't even get to see everybody that's there because it's so many people there. But it is something that we all look forward to every year. Uh, people take off work specifically for that. People will skip the homecoming game and make sure they're at MD Thursday because that is like our reunion. And we have a very, very rich tradition, and we always want to make sure that we still keep that. We want to stay close. Um, and we do. We do that every year. We're, we're out there all night. Um, some girlfriends and boyfriends get upset because they may think that we're out there doing what we're not supposed to be doing, but we're really just in the parking lot at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning <laughs> just reminiscing and enjoying each other. So it's just just to um, recap. It's always the Thursday of your homecoming, and yes. y'all get together and you. Because I mean, I've seen the Facebook Live videos, but I've seen. Um, mm -hmm. So the the current section performs for y'all. Yes. Is that what it so is? what okay. happens? Yeah. So we'll we'll get there. Um, we we'll get on on the yard and we'll just hang out in the parking lot for a while while the current band is having uh, practice, and um, whenever they let them out of band practice. That's when MD Thursday, as far as the performance part of it, really starts. So after they, um, band practice is over, um, the, the current line will perform for us, and they'll uh, tell us what they've been working on and uh, maybe some new things that they're doing, um, and they'll play for us. Then after that, then we kind of open the doors for whoever else want to come in there. Um, and that, that hasn't been like that the entire time. It just kind of changed over the years. At first, it was just MD only, all night, period. Mm -hmm. But now, um, we let other people in after we have our own time together. And that's the, the lives that you'll see, is when everybody is in there. And so, you know, it's just the old heads getting in there, trying to show that they still have it, or not. <laughs> and we, we just get in there and have fun for a little while, and, and sit down and talk about how bad we're hurting the next day. See, see. Now, <laughs> So I know that there are other women that have come up through the section since you've left. And so mm -hmm. do you share like a kind of a bond with them or have they, have they told you anything like, oh, I remember seeing you when I was, you know, in elementary or whatever. And I just, you know. Oh, yeah, that's so wild for people to say that too. Yeah. Like I remember I was in the sixth grade and I remember watching you and I'm like, God, am I really that age now that you're in <laughs> the sixth grade watching me play in college? Um, as far as the snare drummers, um, since me, uh, there's the one after me was Andrea Holly, 
she went, her nickname is Tweety. She mm-hmm. played directly after me. Um, she a- actually ended up being the second female section leader of MD. Um, oh, okay. There's only been two. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it was me and then her. And then we have uh, Jennifer Powell. She played snare, and then Alicia Luke um, played snare as well. So it really has only been three girls that played snare since me, since 94. Oh, wow. Um, and we're all very tight, yep. So I wow. Can, um, wait a minute, did I say that right? Uh, yeah, three girls. Three girls since me. One of them became a section leader, and so she was the second female. I thought Alicia was going to be the third, the, the third but she had um, – um, uh, injury, and mm-hmm. she couldn't march her last year when I knew she was going to get it, and I was so excited, and I was prepping her for it, but you know, it didn't happen. So, but that's yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. So let me. Um, I think we're going to get ready to close, but I wanted you to get like some parting words in. So, if there's anybody that's listening, that you know, might be a, a you know a woman that's striving to be percussion section leader or, you know, any advice for them or any words of wisdom? Yeah, I will just say um, from my experience is to always believe in yourself. Um, You're going to have um, people, you're going to have these males around you that are always going to try to put in your head that they're better than you just because they are a male. They are going to say this a lot. You're going to hear it throughout your career a lot. Play with your hands. Don't, you don't have to do a whole bunch of talking. Let mm-hmm. your hands do the talking because a lot of times people that do a whole lot of uh, lip service, they do that to overcompensate for their actual talent. So trust in yourself. If you know you have it, go for it. If you, if you want to be in this male-dominated field, fine. This, hey, do that. Stay true to yourself. Continue on. Learn your craft. Practice a lot. Ask questions from people who've done it before. Um, don't get discouraged because you will. There will be times where, you know, people will say derogatory things straight to your face. Shout out to Sudden Impact in 1998 who Uh the entire section, yes, the entire section tried to clown me, and they paid for it dearly. Shot uh, fired. Yes, yes, they did, and they know it. Okay, so what year is this? Was this this when when Kenshin was was marching for – Yes, it was. Yes, it was. (laughs) And he knows it, and he knows it very well. Me and James are dear friends today, and he knows it. Uh, That's a quick parting story. 1998, um, the year before we played Bethune in Daytona, they came to Hampton to play Hampton. So we had a bye week that game. So the whole section went to the game. You know, back then we were, you know, little – a little while, so we were sitting beside the band talking junk to them the whole time, letting them know yeah. we'll see y'all next week. So they are blocked up and talking to us in ranks, by the way. They wanted to know who was, who are y'all section leader? Who is your section leader? So when they pointed at me, they thought it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> girl, section leader? I mean, and, and they were really blocked up, Chrissy, on the track laughing. They thought it was so funny. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll see you next week. So next week comes, we get to Daytona Beach. This is my last game ever. I told my boys on the bus, I said, listen, this is my last game. We're going to play every cadence I know, and we're going to let Sudden Impact know what's up. So when we got there on Friday, we we went on their practice field and practiced. So Mm -hmm. our whole band had a practice. And then after that, 
I said, MD, we're going to perform right here on their practice field. Well, after we played, and we, we, of course, we see them now. Now they're peeking around the corner. They, mm-hmm. Because, of course, there's another line on your, your campus. You have to come and see them. Of so course. We come, we're, putting the, we're coming, and we're putting the, um, the drums up under the bus, and then here they go. The same guys that were laughing last week came up and literally came up to me, shook my hand, and was like, I apologize. You know, I'm so sorry. I said, hey, no apology needed. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and the rest is history. They, they, all, they all know what happened the next day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, I've got to find some footage from, from that event. Oh, man, I know it's some footage mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No they wonder you intention is so funny, man. <laughs> we, we, hey, I, I love him to death. Um, but but he, he remembers that day, and he knows how long that night was. And, and, and I be, honestly believe that is why Sudden Impact and MD wants to play each other face-to-face so bad now is because they have not done that since then, and that was 98. They haven't oh, played wow. each other face-to-face since then. So they haven't really gotten to get the get back. Oh, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love this history. I love it. Yes. yes. <laughs> so you heard, it, you heard it here first. If you, if you never knew that, and every, everybody from Sudden Impact in 98 will tell you that, that that is exactly what happened. You can ask my buddy James. He knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been wanting to play us, and the powers that be have always prevented us from playing each other since then. And so that's the reason why Sudden Impact and MD want to battle each other so bad. Wow. Well, that is a good yeah. note to close on. I'm here for it, you know, because you know the way my petty is set up. Like, I, I'm going to need this, I'm gonna need for this to happen at, like, somebody's battle bands or something. I mean, if y'all, we, if the school's going to I know it. we want it to happen so bad, but it's always something. The police come and stop it, or uh, Will says they have to get on the bus, or you know. Oh. Now, don't don't get me wrong. They sudden impact is not running from MD at all. They're not running. They want it just as bad as MD does, but it's always something that prevents it. Okay. So it's not them. I'm not even gonna put that out there. Like they're running from. They're they're not. They want it too, but it's mm-hmm. always something that's preventing it. Wow. All right, man. Put that out there in the band atmosphere. Yes, let's do it. Yes, (laughs) I think you need to make that even more public. But hopefully, when this podcast comes out, maybe more people will 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 learn about it. So yeah, (laughs) a lot lot of people know they they just don't talk about it. (laughs) Oh well, okay. (laughs) That is funny. Well, all right, girl, I am going to talk to you later. I really appreciate you talking with me, and hopefully, you know, a lot of people get to hear this and get to hear your side of the story, so I love it. I'm here for it, so thank you. Anytime, Christy. Thank you for having me. All right, y'all, that was my interview with Rashida. It was so much fun to listen to, I I tell you. Um, She's got some good stories, and um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So I am going to wrap it up, y'all. Take care. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.